Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people on each episode to discuss the week's news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting their legal problems out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Welcome along to a very special episode of The Business Herald podcast. This episode marks six months, 26 weeks, of me doing the podcast. When I set out to make this podcast, it was for two reasons. Firstly, I wanted to. Sounds simple, but it was something that I'd wanted to do for a while, but I couldn't decide what to do a podcast about. As a lawyer, doing a law-based podcast was boring even for me. So I decided that a good starting point would be to talk about the week's business news instead. I was already reading those pages of the papers, and so it wasn't too much of a stretch to go a bit further and write and talk about the news. And secondly, I really wanted to help small business owners better to understand the world around them and the impact that the, quote, big news stories can and probably will have upon their small business. So to mark the occasion, I reached out to MP Paul Scully, who's the Minister with Responsibility for Small Business, to come onto the show, and he agreed. I don't know Paul at all, I just got in touch to see if he'd be up for it. Paul is the Conservative MP for Sutton and Cheam. He was appointed Parliamentary Undersecretary of State in the Department for Business, Energy and Industry Strategy. And, and he has specific responsibilities for small business and enterprise. So without further ado, here's my interview with Paul. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Paul. How are you? You OK? Oh, yeah, very good. Thanks very much. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks very much for, uh, for joining us today. I appreciate right. you spending a bit of time with me. Not at all. No, pleasure. Pleasure. You may have, have noticed on social media, I, I open the floor, as it were, to the listeners of the podcast, the small business owners generally, to come up with some questions for you. And here's what they uh, wanted answering. Um, so the first question was this. Actually, um, this, this arises from yesterday in Boris's uh, roadmap. Some people, some business owners bemoaning that they've got another two months of closures uh, for many. Um, to those small businesses who are struggling, that they've, they've not been open for such a long time. What do you say to those having to wait for at least another couple of months before they can hope? And what, what have you got to say to them? So I hope that, uh, as the Prime Minister described it, that most businesses will um, accept the trade-off between um, uh, haste and certainty. So what we've tried to do with the roadmap, and uh, I've fed in some of my sector's um, discussion, discussions and reflections, is to make sure that it's irreversible, that we don't go back to the stop and start that we had last time, which in itself was damaging for a number of, uh, for a number of businesses in various sectors. But we're in this um, slightly odd, um, difficult time at the moment because we've only had one half of the jigsaw puzzle. The second half comes next week with the Chancellor, obviously, uh, reflecting on, on the whole of the public finances in the budget on the, on the 3rd of March. Yeah. He, not only does he have to work out business support, but obviously he has to see the other public side of public finances, what goes out to pay for the NHS, for education, for defence, for policing, all of those kind of things as well. So there's, there's, there's more to come, but um, hopefully when businesses reflect, they will see that it's a steady 
stream of opening, working through the gears. I'm glad that the Prime Minister has looked at people's well-being in this reopening as well, in allowing things like hair and beauty to open earlier, earlier than they did last time, which helps people's mental well-being, but also gyms as well, uh, and, and sports to, to give people a sense of physical well-being. Um, and obviously um, a, a greater ability to mix and socialise as well, albeit carefully. In terms of businesses, as I say, we'll, we'll see the other half of that jigsaw on the 3rd of March. Absolutely, yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the key issues that most small businesses raised with me was this. Um, there's, there's been a number of people that have been overlooked um, uh, by the government in terms of support. The number of businesses that were in their first year of trading, for instance, um, those that didn't have any properties, they weren't able to claim any grants. There's been a lot of people that have, have not had access to that support. And also there's the, the quote, excluded UK type movement of, of further more people there, um, directors of small companies or um, directors of companies where they don't have more than 50% of their income from um, self-employment or through the company. Um, but there's been a gap of people that haven't been covered um, why is that? Why is that uh, that there been an, an overlooking of that? Is and is there a way to support those businesses moving forward, or, or is it just a, a matter of them, you know, kind of just throwing in the towel and going and getting jobs? I hope people don't throw in the towel, but I, you know, I, but I do recognise that uh, unfortunately we are seeing um, redundancy, we are seeing unemployment uh, increasing. Uh, but look, I think we we've. Uh, given out something like £285 billion worth of support so far in terms of the furlough, the self-employed scheme, the grants, the, the, the uh, bounce-back loans and civils loans, uh, business rates relief, VAT relief. And these are all big schemes that we had to uh, almost wrap our arms around the economy to deliver huge, huge schemes affecting a lot of people at pace. And that's government working about as real-time as you're ever going to see. Uh, frankly, you know, I was self-employed running my own businesses for 20 odd years. And I'm used to being agile and nimble and making my own decisions. But government, you know, is like the big juggernaut, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the fact is we were consulting on things sometimes in terms of hours on a Sunday uh, with business representative, representative organisations, trade unions and the like, uh, whereas normally that, that would take months and sometimes years. Um, but they were all reverse engineered from uh, various schemes. So the furlough was based around payroll. The um, self-employed scheme was based around uh, the tax return. Grant scheme was based around business rates. So it was reverse engineered from there for ease of uh, disbursement, but also to make sure that we could uh, address the necessary checks that we had to put in because it is public finances. It's taxpayers' money at the end of the day. Um, and so, but that did mean um, that there were cracks and there were people falling between the cracks. We tried to remain flexible across the last year as well, changing some of the schemes and, and um, as we've listened and responded to businesses and to um, some of the people that you describe. Unfortunately, we've not been able to grab everybody uh, within that, but we'll continue to flex. But at, at this stage, I think we are at a point where, um, uh, as I say, you'll see the second half within the budget on the 3rd of March, but reopening the economy is the best way, I think, of, of getting people uh, back on form, whether you're self-employed, whether you are a new business, um, hopefully to give, get, allow you to welcome back customers in a safe but very, very warm way. Sure, and there's, there's, there's going to be um, a number of businesses that are just not going to be able to reopen, though, isn't there? Because they've not had that support over the last 12 months, effectively. 
those businesses have necessarily had to stop, close, they don't have support. And so they probably have gone on to do something else, find a, find a job just to you know, carry on earning some money or even maybe go on to universal credit to get by. Well, yeah, I mean, universal credit has always been that safety net that's been there. Um, the self-employed grant, um, I accept what you said about, you know, especially people that have had new, uh, got new businesses or have X amount of percentage um, of their, their um, income from self-employed if it's less than 50%. But a number of people have been able to continue working with that, with that grant um, and go off and do other things as well. Was the furlough scheme slightly different because you have to literally furlough yourself. You have to stop working unless you're a company director and you can do the statutory uh, bits of, of running your business. Yeah. Um, but what we found is that a number of businesses have pivoted. Um, so there are, yes, yes, unfortunately, there are businesses that have fallen by the wayside and it's really regrettable. It's really horrible. And I've lost a couple of businesses in my 25 years. And, uh, you know, that's in normal, relatively normal times, uh, not this extraordinary time. So I took, took my hat off to anyone running businesses at this particular time. Um, but we've also seen businesses set up. Uh, I met, a, a, I was just hearing about a pub that uh, set up just shortly before lockdown. Um, uh, I went to coffee, saw a coffee shop in my patch that uh, again um, set up weeks before lockdown and they've tried to adapt as best they can and you've had other businesses that have either found they've run out of uh, road if, in, in, in many ways or actually seen other opportunities so they've pivoted in a different direction and I really want to make sure that whereas furlough was the business word last year I want to make sure that pivot is the business word of this year because um, it really does reflect the adaptability of so many businesses around the country, self-employed and small mm. businesses. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's it has been a, a pretty uh, key word in in small businesses this year as well. But I think it will it will carry on being relevant um, over the next twelve months. There, there was a report as well um, that I picked up that said that there's still three hundred thousand people. Our businesses waiting for the bounce back loans and and these i guess are people that um didn't access the funding the first time round because they thought well actually i'll be all right now need it and now there's a backlog um so i, I know I appreciate that it's it's the banks that are releasing that funding but can the government do anything to to really kind of push that through to make sure that actual funding gets through to the businesses that really need it yeah, we try to make it as easy as possible with the bounce back loans. And uh, so if you are going to your existing bank, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously easier because they already know you. If you go into another bank, which you're able to do, there's still the basic know your client checks uh, and, and those kind of things that need to be done. Um, but we work through the British Business Bank to make sure that the funding is there for, for, for the banks and that we can cut through the administration. After all, that's why the bounce back loans were created in the first place, because the, the original Sybil's loans we were finding a, a lot of a lack of take up, either because the banks didn't want to lend or the uh, there was no appetite uh, because of the checks that were being done and the, yeah. and the personal guarantees, et cetera, yeah. for businesses. So we, we've always shown that flex and we'll continue to work to, if there is a problem uh, about waiting list, to make sure that people can get the cash in their hands when they need it. There's no point in doing it when it's too late. Um, yeah. you know, any SME will tell you that cash flow, cash is king. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and therefore, it's a, it was a surprise to see that there's still 300,000 people in a, in a backlog, in a waiting list um, across the board. It's, uh, it's clear that those funds need to be you know, accessed, bearing in mind how, as you say, easy it is to apply for a bounce back loan. It, you know, there shouldn't be any hurdles there. 
but there is, and I, and I don't know whether or not it's a question. It's um, the bank's administration, or um, the bank's just you know dithering because they've got other more profitable things to do. I don't, I don't know, but there is certainly yeah. a, a backlog. I mean, we can certainly look to see if there's if there are any hurdles that we can help with. Then more than happy to do that. But I mean, you, you're you're right that you know we should be minimising the waiting lists and uh, you know working with the banks to do so. But uh, I'll continue to do to to look into that. We've got the uh, the budget coming up next week. Um, it's going to be a, a big one, an interesting one for everybody to uh, to sit and watch. I'm not going to ask you to predict it, but my question is this: Given that there's people that haven't had access to funding or grants and furlough schemes, um, should should they burden the, the possible tax rises that uh, that people are talking about? Should it be a blanket tax rise over everybody, or should it be based upon the ones that have actually done all right? They should perhaps pay a little bit more towards it. Well, I think the, I mean, you know, we have a progressive tax uh, regime anyway, when the, um, uh, you know, the, the better off do pay um, uh, their fair share of tax. And I think that that's, that's right that, uh, um, that that happens. You shouldn't be balancing the books on the, on, on the most vulnerable. Um, but we need to um, work through, as I say, the Chancellor is the one that sees the whole gamut of the, uh, of, of the public finances and can work through what's going to happen. We don't want to stymie and cut off a recovery, um, especially for those people, as you say, that haven't been able to, uh, um, to, 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 to get on particularly well over the, over, over the, last, um, over the last year. Um, but, but we do need to continue to, to pay for that support. It's not just about reopening, it's about helping people um, bounce back. And so, you know, most, most of our uh, taxes whether it's income tax, uh, corporation tax, or most or capital gains tax, are based on a sort of chargeable event when you've made a profit, when you're actually starting to, uh, to, to, to get back to some semblance of order. And so, uh, you know, that would make sense that we, we are, that in itself will tend to uh, um, address and tackle, to target the people that are, are earning, frankly. So um, it's a difficult balance to strike. But uh, mm. I have no doubt that the Chancellor, now he's seen the roadmap, he's, he, he knows the scale of the problem. And yeah. we've sort of got a final date in terms of reopening on the 21st of June. But there's a wider recovery piece beyond that, as I say. But he'll have a, a, a size of the, uh, of the picture in front of him that he can now start to address fairly. And I think, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people have, have, have actually had support over the last uh, last twelve months as well, so there's there's certainly a number of people that haven't, and there's always going to be cracks um, cracks that uh, that appear in any any kind of regime because you can't please everybody. But it seems to me that actually Chancellor has been incredibly generous. He needs to perhaps carry on that support, uh, you know. And I, I think there's there's been I don't know if it's been formally announced yet, but certainly been talking the papers today about extending furlough until the end of June. Um, and, and having that support in place for businesses that really need it so that they can start to ease out of the um, out of lockdown and restrictions and start to build their business back up again. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't I can't speculate that much about uh, about what he's going to say clearly, but I um, suffice to say that SMEs, hospitality, retail, any number of sectors who I've spoken to have reflected on the the uh, kinds of ongoing support that they need. To, to beyond the reopening, as, exactly as you, as you described, whether it's furlough, business rates, uh, VAT, all these kind of areas that, uh, that people have raised with me. And Chancellor's very, very aware of that. So, um, you know, we, we don't want to lose the, um, the protection that we've, that we've had in terms of uh, uh, jobs and livelihoods. We want to make sure that we've got that plan to, to, to bounce back, to grow.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on slightly. So in the past, there was EU funding that was made available to help SMEs grow, stuff like the Growth Accelerator, the ESF and the ERDF fund. Um, obviously, now that we can't ask Europe for funding on stuff like that, do you think that it, it would be appropriate to have equivalents, um, you know, fund, funded so that there's, you know, there's training and growth and improvement in SMEs still available that's on a funded basis? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, we want to be able to support and ramp up um, funding. So we want to make sure that we that we have the opportunity now to uh, make sure that that funding reflects UK's priorities. That we can we can we can direct it and target it um, to uh, reflect our economy and uh, our local economies. Um, so we'll um, we'll make sure that the domestic UK wide funding will at least match the current EU receipts. Uh, that's around on average about a billion and a half. A year, we've got the shared um, prosperity fund to um, make sure that we can help level up and, uh, and create opportunities right away across the UK for people and places as well. I mean, there's there's certain priorities. It's going to be investing in people. It's going to be making sure that we can have those skills that are tailored to to local needs, like work-based training, like uh, supplementing and tailoring national uh, programs, like the adult education budget. It's going to be investing in communities and places as well, including cultural and sporting facilities, the civic and green and rural infrastructure, community-owned assets, but also investment for local businesses that you talk about as well to make sure that we can support innovation and green and tech adoption and, again, tailor that to local needs. When we come and talking about our recovery, we want to make sure you've heard the well-trodden phrase now about building back better. But that means something. It just allows us to recalibrate and uh, meet our net zero target that we've set for 20, 2050, which, which in itself will create some really good job opportunities, so like 250,000 job opportunities by £12 billion that we're, we're bringing forward, which in itself will hopefully leverage three times that amount in private infrastructure, uh, private funding, sorry, um, and also to, to, in terms of innovation, to make sure that we can um, uh, become the super, you know real good science superpower, which we've pr- proved what we can do with the vaccination um, project. And when we're all working together, yeah. we've got the government actually, you know, helping to invest. You've got the UK scientists doing their thing, and you've got UK institutions like the NHS that are rolling it out. That just goes to show how you can triangulate a situation like that. And, um, and and really with with UK businesses and innovators right at the heart of it. Yeah, get some dry up. It's a, it's the vaccination program is amazing. How uh, when government re- reduces or removes hurdles um, to, to market effectively, there's massive funding behind it, and there's a there's a real drive from all parties involved. It shows you what can happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I was talking about agility before. Um, you know, if we can have something, a system now like that shared prosperity fund that matches our own ambitions, UK's ambitions, and we can uh, get to the point where government is setting a, an ethos and an atmosphere and, and investing, but basically backing out of, um, you know, the micromanaging everything, then uh, we, can, we can do amazing things in partnership. So I guess the, the, the question that runs onto that is how does that flow down to small businesses? Because at the moment, we've seen like the NHS contracts, for instance, all go to massive organisations and small businesses, you know, are kind of there's the second uh, second thought. How do, how do we ensure that um, that actual small businesses get some benefit for that? It's part, part one. Part two of the question is how, how in your role do you ensure that the voices of small business people are, are heard yeah. and actually prioritised 
or, or, or put amongst the ones with bigger voices, louder voices, the lobby, the people that can have lobbyists on board? Yeah, so you can see in terms in, in supply chains how yeah the vaccination was a, you know is a, a very specific thing that you can really only put on scale uh, with those with those bigger companies. But if you look at something like aerospace, for example, which I also um, work, work on, you've got the um, the big you know Airbus and Boeing these big companies, but you've also got a huge number of SMEs involved in the supply of uh, of some really exciting technological. Um, advances the wing of the future that will be on Airbus in a few weeks' time, uh, a few a few years' time. This is sustainable aviation fuels. I even um, was handing out eighty four million pounds worth of funding from UK uh, RI and Innovate UK uh, to a number of businesses, including one uh, where they talk about air, air taxis. Now um, you know being able to hail a, a taxi from the air. Now, I, I was saying, oh, when is this? You know, is this all like going to be something that in 2040, 2050? They said, no, it's in three years' time. Um, and that's, I'm still promised my hover boots by tomorrow as well in the 70s. But uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. this is phen- phenomenal innovation that's happening here in the UK. But and SMEs are very much at the heart of the supply within that. But in government terms, we are working on and continue to work on our procurement strategy to make sure that what we're doing directly, we can get SMEs, making it easier for SMEs to be able to bid into that, mm. um, to hang off some of these big, bigger companies, which are, is, uh, if they do that, you, you, it's not such good value for the taxpayer. And clearly, it's, it's a big barrier for SMEs to get involved. So the more we can break that down, it's a win-win situation. And, and how do you ensure that you're hearing the voice of small business? Oh, so yeah, you asked me about that. Look, I speak to um, small businesses on a, uh, on a, a regular, um, pretty well every day, frankly. So I, I, I do a number of different things in Bays, um, with hospitality and retail. So yes, I deal with all the big um, uh, pub codes and restaurants. But yesterday I had a call with uh, um, uh, rest, uh, restaurants, pub owners in Bolton, this morning, I had a business representation of the uh, representative organisation of the British Institute of Keeping, which represents lots of small publicans. I do SME roundtables, uh, working with the Federation of Small Businesses, with any other, with with um, QuickBooks and Intuit and uh, and Sage, who obviously have lots of SMEs as their customers. Um, Etsy, I speak, it's been the chief executive of Etsy, and he introduced me to a number of very small businesses that are. That, that are working from the kitchen table. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people, uh, a lot of uh, women in particular, something like 80% of Etsy's um, uh, marketplace users are women um, that, that are uh, really connecting them up with their, with their customer bases. So um, there's lots of work done to make sure that uh, uh, every, because SMEs themselves, the definition of SME goes right away to some pretty hefty businesses, you know, 250 employees. But, you know, I always, the kind of businesses I run, small businesses, was around my kitchen table for my study or with maybe a couple of other people at most. So when I talk about small businesses, I talk about really small businesses often. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's what what energizes me. That's really keeping me so excited for this job. Yeah, great, great. I know, I know we're, we're time up, we're time over. So thank you very much, uh, Paul, for joining us. I really appreciate it. We'll see what next week's um, uh, budget brings and the chance that hopefully there's, there's some more, um, uh, more good news for small businesses moving forward. Thank no, you very much for your time. You Pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes, bye-bye. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it um, got you thinking about 
some of those questions. If you've got any reaction um, to what Paul and I talked about, I'd love to hear your views. Um, contact me on social media. Either do that through the Business Herald or on LinkedIn, um, Facebook and Twitter. Or you can do that directly with me as well. I'm at Stephen May, the solicitor on all of those platforms. Um, but for now, thanks very much for listening. There is another podcast this week which is the usual format with two guests discussing the week's news, and that will be released later on Friday. But once again, thanks very much for listening. Take care. Goodbye.